drop. The Be Kind Rewind has been going in full force for almost two years. In that time, we have covered over 50 films. Uh, We've done 50 episodes, some live shows. We've had episodes featuring multiple movies. In that time, I have been able to sit down with an amazing group of people. People that I look up to, people who are my close confidants, people who I respect more than they will ever, ever know. To say that the Be Kind Rewind is something that I cherish would be an understatement. I love the message that I'm trying to bring with the show. I I love the opportunity to look at films for what they are, to enjoy them for the, the simple fun they can be. I have watched movies that I have always wanted to see, never got a chance to, and movies that I've never even heard of before. And I've gotten to see that. Uh, This has been a phenomenal experience from top to bottom. This is episode, officially, this is episode 51. And I'm saying this as a battered man on shaky legs, a defeated man, a broken man. I finally found the worst movie I had ever seen. And I say this as someone who loves the Phantom Menace, who loves trashy B-movies from the 60s, that loves the worst of the worst that Hollywood has made. I love those things. This one is going to be a stretch and I couldn't think of a more a better Christmas miracle than to take the most terrible movie I've ever seen and try to pull out, try to polish this turd in a way to say thank you for making it or at least make it worth the time. So strap in kids because it, this this one's going to be rough. Uh, we're talking about Kurt Cameron saving Christmas. Welcome back to the Be Kind Rewind. Took a few weeks off from our Blues Brothers 2000 episode. Uh, Mr. Jeremiah Campbell, frequent guest of the show, close personal confidant of myself, is safe in Alaska. Uh, He sends his well wishes and his love, and I wish him all the best, and he he is missed. So let's take a recap of last year's <laughs> Be Kind Rewind Christmas Party episode. Uh, that was a fun one. We talked about um, Santa Claus 3. Uh, we had a Christmas party. We had a visit. Uh, it was supposed to be from Santa Claus. We got Jen Potter. <laughs> we did a New Year's Eve countdown. It was a lot of fun. That was 2019. This is 2020. A much a a different year, a worse year. Um, but I 
had the opportunity last night to sit down and actually got to sit down with my brother Lauren and watch. This was a film that actually I, I was thinking about doing last year for the Christmas show. And I thought, what better way than to to kiss off Sia Screw Ya, Sia in St. Louis 2020 with a film that I was not expecting to hate as much as I do. Um, that I, Judging by looks alone from what I've se- I had seen in a trailer, I thought, okay, cool. I'm expecting a, f- a, a family-friendly, lighthearted romp, um, a jingle-along all the way, so to speak, um, with discussing the commercialism of Christmas, dissecting that, and uh, talking ab- and, and and showing the the miracle of Christmas, and not what was presented. The poster to this film, the Kirk Cameron saving Christmas looks hilarious. Kirk Cameron's doing like an awesome, like karate high kick and he's got a giant candy cane and he's bashing through a, a, a whole wall of Christmas presents and he's holding a snow globe with an activity scene in it. And it just looks badass. I'm like, you could look at that and say, yep, this is exactly what this film's about. Screw all the commercialism, screw all the materialism of, of Christmas and focus on what, at one point, it was all about. Okay, I could see where he's coming from. I know Kirk Cameron is uh, is Christian. He is a, a, a pastor. He tours around and does uh, marriage. Can't I mean he's if if you are a religious person and you agree with Kirk Cameron, then you know who he is. If you are not, if you're not someone who is a believer, um, yeah, he is a big kind of a smarmy, smug asshole. Uh, Not to put too fine a point on it, but he is. And even if you are a card-carrying Kirk Cameron fan, you have to step out of that bubble and look at this film and look at the role that he is playing in this film and what the message he's trying to to say. So uh, I, I have some really great quotes from it that were just completely eye-opening. Uh, not to sound too personal, but I am not a believer. I am not a I was a Christian I was a, a Christian for a very long time, baptized. I uh read Josh McDowell books. I listened to DC talk and, and, uh, newsboys and all those guys. I, uh, went to promise keepers events. Um, I was a Christian and to this day, uh, biblical literacy is actually something that I'm kind of low key interested in. I do spend a lot of my free time, uh, studying not so much the scriptures but i'm fascinating on where the this the book came from and how it came to be it's not you know when when you're growing up and you know if you're a believer you believe that it was all written as is scribed as is put together right after jesus died and there you go and you can have any kind of you know the, the minutia of your theology is not something that I care to 
you can believe whatever you believe as long as your beliefs do not hurt anybody. And, and so unfortunately most of those beliefs on the surface are, Oh no, we don't hurt anybody. No, it's, it's divisive and it's hurtful, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So to me, it's fascinating and how the, how, what we consider the Holy Bible came to be, how many times it was transcribed when it was written and, um, things like that. It's a very fascinating, fascinating topic. Um, quick analogy, and then we'll move on. Imagine if you will, Woodstock. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take you back. You yourself listening to this, whether you're 20, 40, however old you are, um, think in your mind, Woodstock, all right? Knowing that you were never there, all right? If you were there, great. Now, you personally were never there. Now, imagine you have never seen a photograph of what the Woodstock experience was like. So you've never seen the Time Magazine articles. You've never, ever seen anything to that nature. And you've never heard any of the music played at Woodstock. You've never heard the Star Spangled Banner. You've never heard or seen anything. All you have to go by is what you have been told was a music festival that took place in the 60s. Okay. Now imagine you wanting to write a book about what happened at Woodstock in what order it happened and details about how it went down. You write the book, not getting a chance to see any photographs, hear any recordings, nor do you get to speak to anybody who was there. The only people you get to speak to are the same people as you. You never, you weren't there. You've never seen a photograph and you've never heard, you've never heard a recording. All right. That's your only source of information. That's where you get the the gospels from. Gospels were written uh, around uh, 50 to 70, at earliest guess, around 70 AD. Best guess, 70 AD after what's normally considered the birth of Jesus. Okay, so we're not going to talk about biblical history so much. That's just a little bit about a a, a low-key passion that I have. So it's an interesting work. It's... I guess it's more than interesting. It's fascinating, but it's, it is what it is. So going from that point of view, watching this film was absolutely fascinating. And I I can't say that it, it stuck with me at its ineptitude. And I am still flabbergasted and I almost want to watch it again just so I can say, yep, that's what I saw because this is not the jingle all the way with a better message film that I was anticipating. Not a big fan of jingle all the way, by the way. Um, so the film, uh, which <laughs> is awesome. It starts out one of the production companies, cause this is all a church made film. It's not, um, it was released by Samuel golden. $50,000 is what it cost to make traveling around to churches and stuff, they were able to take two point something million dollars from the box office or whatever church groups that they uh, charged to show the film. 
It starts with Kirk Cameron, right on, Kirk Cameron, sitting in front of a fireplace completely covered with, uh, completely surrounded by Christmas things, a fire, stockings, a tree, all this stuff. And it's, it okay, all right, cool. And it starts off and you're thinking, all right, cool. He's going to start us off setting up the scene and then we're going to watch a really cool uh, don't buy shit for Christmas, don't buy too much shit for Christmas story. This this starts his five minute monologue about Christmas and how much he loves it. He loves the tree. He loves the decorations, the lights, the music and the hot chocolate. He makes it a point, a point. He labors this, that he loves hot chocolate, chocolate. That's a, a theme for some reason about this whole film. He loves hot chocolate. So Kirk Cameron it goes on and on and on about how much he loves Christmas and he loves, you know, this, this, this talks about the stories we tell. Now there is some really cool themes here. I really like this, uh, to be honest with you. He talks about the stories and he's talking about the Christmas stories and where these legends came from and how they were adapted. And, you know, very, very naive, very simplistic form. There is zero depth in this film, zero depth. Um, uh, to a very simplistic take on it, but acknowledges, like, if there's any people that are non-believers out there who, who like, love to post those memes every year, like, oh, you'll... Oh, you know, you, you you like Christmas, huh? I hope you enjoyed celebrating Saturnalia, ce- celebrating the you know as pagan gods. They know this, okay? You're you're not gotten any, you're not getting anybody with with, with stuff like that. <laughs> Religious folks, specifically these fundamental Christian folks, know these things. They know where that you know they know where these symbols come from. The trick they've done is they they and he's 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 he plays it out in this film almost brilliantly. So goes he, he really labors uh, the hot chocolate and that you know the, the Christmas itself. You know that, that there's let you know these these are legends that you know we've we've turned into traditions. He talks about stories, okay, and this is what I liked. He talks about stories and he goes, you know, when you read a story, you can step in whenever you like and you can be who you want to be and you can take what you want from those stories. Uh, moments of, of clarity there from, from Mr. Kirk Cameron. Um, very, very fascinating the way he. Uh, he, he lays he, he lays out this concept of internalizing the stories that you're hearing and you know when you choose to enter the story and and go from there kind of again spelling out the 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 biblical like well we're gonna come deeper into the story and start from there you're missing the context and it, and that's a good. That's again. That's 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 quite a a, a theme from this is is you know the context. So he he takes this 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 labored introduction of, and then he begins the story of one such time when 
you know, someone wasn't having a good Christmas. So I'm thinking, oh, oh, okay, cool. This is going to be like a wonderful life type of situation. All right. I can dig that. Um, very Merry Muppet Christmas is a wonderful life take story. Some very good Christmas stories. That's a classic theme you can use because Christmas time can be a time for reflection. It is for me. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. So it cuts to a Christmas party taking place at the Cameron house of all places. Kurt Cameron is playing himself and he's acting alongside his sister, not Candace, uh, not to, 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 <laughs> to be the bearer of bad news, but there is not a Candace in this film. There is another, uh, Cameron's Cameron sister, but not, but not Candace Cameron. And it is kind of lovingly made by Cam Fam Productions. Uh, I thought that was classy. Uh, that was very, very clever, Kirk. Cam Fam Productions. So, Kirk Cameron is standing like in a kitchen talking to his sister, who's actually his real sister. You can see the resemblance. And just enjoying the time. Probably the worst acting I have ever seen. It is stilted and completely inauthentic and. It reminds me of when politicians or like CEOs go to the break room or diners and stuff. They want to connect with real people, but there's so much in, in their world that they just can't connect with like real people anymore. There's just not that connection. And it's sometimes can come off as really labored and, and, and phony. You see this right away with Mr. Kirk Cameron's acting, even talking to his own sister. So the party is in full swing and the topic comes to Christian clever. Again, the character's name is Christian, who is Kirk Cameron's brother-in-law, his sister's husband, clever, clever name there, buddy Christian. So the, the topic goes to Christian and Kurt, and this is a narrated, okay? So you're, it, he stops short of just looking right at the camera at times, but it's narrated and it cuts to Christian and he's just like moping in the corner. This guy, uh, this Eric Clapton looking, <laughs> he looks like an upper middle class doughy Kurt Cameron, this guy, uh, very fascinating. His, his real life brother-in-law who is also the director and he is just moping in the corner. And then he gets up and he goes and sits in his car and like, Oh, I was laughing with my brother. It's like, Oh my God, he's got to turn the car on and sit in the garage. Nope. He just sits there moping in the car. So Kurt Cameron, because he's the savior of this film, Kurt Cameron, saves Christmas in this movie, not saving Christmas. He is the godlike character in this film. Uh, steps in and says, Hey, what's going on? You know, trying to, trying to relate to him. And this, the, the doughy Eric crap, Eric Clapton guy starts on a really weird rant about how much he just hates Christmas. He, not that he hates Christmas. He just doesn't buy it. He sees all like the little whiny kids and all this stuff. 
and you know the 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 tree being from Saturnalia. So does he have like a graven image in his house? The the the, the whiny complaining rants that he does, and he does this throughout the whole film, are very much. I, I, where have I seen this before? It's like they watched something and they tried to emulate it, and it's. It, Okay, imagine, remember the movie, you remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off, all right? His friend Cameron, no coincidence, um, when he's sitting in the car by himself, arguing with himself, and whether he's going to go pick up Ferris or not, I, that's the vibe you get from this bit, but he's trying to be, it's trying to be funny, and it's just, oof, awful. But he goes... Uh, the, the terrible, you know, how awful Christmas is and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And it's again, another five minute rant about this. And I, God bless Kirk Cameron because I, it really, (laughs) it really just focuses into a T how this gentleman thinks and, 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 and things like, so this guy is having a terrible time. He just wants to be alone. He's, he's, you know, a, a mopey moperson and he lays out everything that bothers him and, and fairly clear ish meaning like, this is why I'm upset. Or, this is why I'm ruining Kirk Cameron's party just by not putting a smile on his face. Like he's not hurting anybody. He's just wanted to be alone. Great. Cool. Kirk Cameron listens to him and you can just see, even though he's acting and this is what you do when you act, you can just see that he was literally just waiting for him to stop talking so he could talk. And it's my favorite film. It comes early in the movie, but it's my, one of my favorite moments of the film because it's just, so Kirk Cameron just nods. And after he, after doughy Eric Clapton rants about what's bothering him, he just kind of nods and says, I, I hear you, man. And they do a fist bump thing. I, I get you. Um, it's all wrong. And the doughy air clap is like, yeah, it's all wrong. It's like, no, everything that you just said just now is wrong. He's just so matter of factly just, yeah, everything you just said is wrong. And in real life, that would cause a fight. But this is Eric, this is Cameron world. So the guy is taken aback. Goes, well, what do you mean? And boom, that segues into, again, this isn't a film. This isn't a movie. This is basically three vignettes that they filmed that describe uh, Kirk's twisted view of Christmas. So that cuts to now. He goes, well, let me let me tell you about it. what's the first, you know, what was bothering you? Or one of the things that bothers him was that you've got all this, like, gaudy Christmas things, but you have a little tiny, he has a little tiny snow globe nativity that just kind of sits in the corner. It's a trinket. It's a knickknack. And that's not a big part of the Christmas is that. Well, then, so that's when Kirk Cameron, you know, he tells him he's wrong. And then he, then they start this, this filmed reenactment of the manger, the nativity of sorts. Kirk Cameron's take on the nativity, as is described in the Bible, not described in this way, 
is that it didn't take place in a barn. It took place in a cave because Herod's troops were were waiting to kill any of the newborn children. Now that that comes later, after way after the, the Christ character is born. But it takes place, in Cameron's mind, a cave. And the important part about the cave is... And it was a, a feed spot where they fed the animals and the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes. You've heard that from the Peanuts Christmas party or Christmas special. Um, he said, so take away the the, Jesus, the Joseph character, the Mary character, even take the baby Jesus character away. And what's left is the cloth. You have a cave and a cloth. See where it's going here? He said that is it's it's looking at as like a, a prop for nativity plays, but that cloth is important because cut to the you know the beginning of life takes place in a cave with a cloth. Now cut to the end of Jesus's life, it ends in a cave with a cloth, and you can't discount the nativity scene because Jesus is birth and death were surrounded by a cloth and that is why it's and that and that is why um i I don't don't even i watched it and i don't even know the point he was trying to make um they but they even they even point out that jesus wasn't born probably wasn't born in december it even says it doesn't matter It, it it doesn't matter when he was born because we still celebrate it because of what it meant that it saved the world or whatever. Um, so that's the first part. And how that relates to Christmas, not sure, but he's okay. So this guy's almost on board. And then they segue into the Christmas tree and why, you know, the Christmas tree is a a symbol from the pagan Saturnalia festivals and things like that. Kirk Cameron just flat out says, yeah, no, it's not. Bullshit. Nope. The Christmas tree was um, used to celebrate Jesus as well. And if you see a room full of Christmas trees, we'll take off the decorations, take off the branches. What do you see? Wood. What else is in the Jesus story does wood become a factor? The cross. Yes. He makes this connection that Christmas trees are okay because they, they're they not part of the Saturnalia pagan festival or whatever else it is. I mean, Christmas trees, when I looked into it, come from dozens of different traditions and different meanings. Um, most of traditionally come from Germany, the Sinterklaas festival. Um, and the tree is a reminder of his sacrifice. Yes, that's the connection that he makes. So if you see a Christmas, you shouldn't run from Christmas trees. You should embrace them because they are a reminder of his crucifixion. Correct. So that is 45 minutes into the film. (laughs) We get to his second point of, 
uh, of why Christmas is all about Jesus from head to toe. And almost every aspect of it is either comes directly from the Bible or is essentially part of the Bible. Every single thing leads back to the Jesus character. Now, side note as this is happening is in back in the house, the Camerons clearly have a black friend who is the biggest caricature. They, they got this black gentleman and he is a cartoon character uh, through and through. Um, he talks all jive. Um, his exact line is um, uh, DeAndre, I believe his name is. DeAndre, how are you today? His response is blessed and highly favored. We've got the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Like, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's his his normal everyday response when somebody says, how are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Mm, it really speaks to the mindset of these folks. Uh, it really, really does. So, and these are just like random, random just interactions in the house while the, while the uh, sermon on the, in the, in the car is taking place. And there is one that spoke volumes to me that was every, I didn't know if I was watching something, if I was watching something like I was, if I was being satirized, if I was watching a comedy bit, if they were dead serious, I have no idea, but uh, this DeAndre guy and another gentleman who is the most insufferable person I've ever seen in a film, they're sitting there talking. You know, DeAndre's been kind of upset because they took away Fun Shirt Friday at work. And this other dude, this bald dude with a bow tie, it, it just annoying as hell. They're sitting there like drinking their cocoa, pretending that they're being watched for whatever reason. Because they do have, a, they, they, there is a very martyr, martyr complex of this film. Very much so, um, which a lot of folks that are are are, are, are really heavy into the situation, uh, fun, the, the fundamentalist Christians. He goes and he he, he starts into this rant about um, being watched and the Illuminati and the New World Order and there's fluoride in the food or there's fluoride in the water, which at the very least causes autisms and the vaccines. And it has to be true because I saw it on on on. Fox News. But he says these things in the film and he's covering his mouth with his with his hot coke hot chocolate cup. And you're sitting there wondering, I don't know if he's if he's they're being sincere or what. And I'm like, I want some payoff on all this because there's a lot of baggage that comes with with and we've seen this obviously. This movie was made in 2014 or it came out in 2014. Well, that's Section of the populace were taken over about two years later uh, by a very grimy Pied Piper of patriotism that took most of these people. If you have any deeply religious fundamentalist people in your family, you know who he, they voted for and you know who they put up on a pedestal just underneath God, but probably if... <laughs> If you catch them at the right time, they're they're neck and neck. So it's not a surprise because, uh, <laughs> he, 
Yeah, the uh, smooth-talking Trump guy was able to t- tell these folks what they wanted to hear and why he was able to Pied Piper them into their death cult. But, um, all right, d- digressing. So, yeah, this this little little short rant of the, the – the, if you see the movie, if you sit and watch – because I, I, I want you to sit and watch this. It's on – it's on the Roblox channel, channel, and it's free. You can find it easily. I want you to watch it, but yeah, this insufferable bald guy um, with the mustache. That little rant is just like eye opening. Cause like, yep, you 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 know exactly who you are. Because <laughs> um, so we get to we cut back to the sermon in the car, and the final piece to this is Santa Claus, and again. The whole time, in between these little video segments, these little play things that are filmed are played, uh, he's still doing his, like, whiny Cameron rants from Ferris Bueller. And then he gets to Santa Claus, about Santa Claus. You know, obviously Santa Claus is on the Bible. Uh, He's there, and I can see him, and he's wearing his hat. And he's just... (laughs) It's like there he's pretending to have like a mental breakdown by somebody who has never had any genuine reason to have a mental breakdown. Um, so he just goes by what he's seen on TV, and Santa and Kirk Cameron just looks at him and says, "Oh bullshit, Santa Claus is biblical, and I'll prove it." And you're like, "Oh, this is good," and I almost don't even want to spoil it how he makes the connection, but it's just so good. He starts going into you have to go back. And the exact phrase he uses is you have to go way back into an environment a little bit more Lord of the Ringsy. <laughs> and they cut to a video uh, or they cut to a, a segment about Nicholas. Nicholas, according to Kurt Cameron, was a pastor of sorts in 300 and 300 AD. So it's really it, it's very telling as to how long of a time we're talking about 300 and 300 AD at the court of Nicaea when early Christian practitioners were kind of sitting around thinking about okay what are we what's going to be canon and what's not going to be canon uh a- ancient alien people are, are really into I've seen I've heard that phrase the court of Nicaea uh, if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize. Please correct me uh, many times. And Nicholas, uh, it was said to be there and somebody was blasphemous and he beat the shit out of him, really smacked him at the at this council. Uh, there's not a lot of historical evidence that Nicholas was there or if even Nicholas existed, to be honest with you, uh, to be quite frank. But um in, in the aspect of what they think. So Nicholas was one of the biggest proponents of early Christianity who basically, you know, beat the smack out of, you know, smacked up, smacked around a blasphemer and made sure the Bible was put together in the way that God instructed. Or at least these guys 300 years later. Think about that. It's 2020 right now. So think 300 years ago. You are talking the 1700s okay the renaissance period like early early renaissance I mean, you're talking yeah the plague was just a few decades removed from the black plague of the middle ages 
so three you're, you're putting together you know that's like trying to figure out what if we're going to put a, a, a biography of Mozart's life together you know I mean this is seven you know, 300 years plus years later fascinating to me and so Nicholas who just so happened to be like this big burly Lord of the Ringsy looking guy also happened to give toys to children who were good bullshit <laughs> so the biggest uh fanboy of Jesus the you know the the biggest documented fanboy of of Jesus and early <laughs> early Christianity happened to be uh the the guy who who inspired the Santa Claus character and that character and that and that character went on to inspire he even mentioned Santa Claus in a backhanded way uh and becomes these different characters and these different cultures but honestly though Santa Claus just is actually just Jesus like <laughs> he draws a very like wink almost right at the camera that Santa Claus is is biblical because the Santa Claus is a, a representation of uh, Nicholas, <laughs> someone who probably didn't exist in 300 AD. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Doey Eric Clapton has his epiphany. He comes busting back into the Christmas party like a kid hepped up on 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 Pixie Sticks and Mountain Dew and just loves, 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 loves Christmas. And it just loves everything about it. And that continues this monologue. This whole movie is not a film. It's not like a narrative. It's just Kirk Cameron having a monologue. And the director being this doughy Eric Clapton guy just happens to listen to like to hear Eric, uh, Kirk Cameron talk. And he comes back, he, he, he loves the Christmas party and he just, he high dive, like he, he slides head first underneath this tree. And then he says, now look at, you know, again, then the film stops again and Kirk Cameron continues his monologue with, and look at that, you know, look at the, your presence, look at your presence from a kid's point of view. So this gentleman is actually laying on the ground cause he had, he slid, he slid head first underneath the tree. Look at the presence. Don't they look like a skyline to the New Jerusalem? Yeah. <laughs> so even presence underneath your tree can remind you of of the good things to come being a Christian. It's, it's absolutely fascinating, the take on it. And it... it he, he gets back into his, his story themes and like what... If you, if you were writing the story, what would happen now? Because he reconnects with his wife. I guess him being bummed around Christmas, having seasonal depression, like was putting a strain on their marriage. So he reconnects with his wife, and he even he even says, you know, Kirk Cameron's voice comes in. So like, if you were writing the story, what would happen now? Would they kiss? Would they make up? Would would it be a happy ever after? And then it just cuts to again him trying to be the the doughy Eric Clapton looking guy trying to be funny. Goes to honey, I I'm sorry I've been, you know I've been so depressed about Christmas and this and that. I just want to make it up to you. And you think and that's when Kirk Cameron says you know I want to make you know do they kiss? Do they make up? He cuts back to. I want to start a, a Christian hip hop 
dance team called Faith Force 5. And then it cuts to the Cameron family having a 10-minute hip-hop dance breakout. Yeah, this is what happens. (laughs) I saw it. I seen it with my own eyes, and it's there. (laughs) Kurt Cameron, he does the worm. These these rich, doughy people, they have a hip-hop dance breakdance scene and... And then it cuts back to them around their Christmas dinner. And I'm going to close this episode off. You can almost watch this film like like a nature, like a nature documentary or like an entomology. Or you're learning about a world that you're not connected to because it is a fascinating representation of this. And nowhere in any of these stories do you hear about Jesus saying, you know what, maybe, you know. I don't think you need that much things. I don't think you need to be have all these positions. It's hard, you know, it's easier for to put a camel through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. And this movie is the exact opposite of that message. And I've pulled up the line from the movie because as I'm watching this, I almost spit take my drink. I was watching it because, yeah, I had to drink some rum to watch this film. They're around the dinner table and... You know, everyone's talking and laughing and he's continuing his monologue, this voiceover monologue. And he's, you know, he, he, he talks about Christmas and there, there's two sides to the Christmas. There's, there's all these different opinions about Christmas. One of them being that you're too loud with your holiday and you're too noisy and you need to tone it down. And another people, another group of people saying, get rid of all of it. It's all terrible. Throw it all away, whatever. But I believe that Santa Claus is on our side. Now that alone was pretty taking. But then here's the line that as the, as they're sitting around their table, that is, Just absolutely freaking amazing. Again, he's literally just trying, he laboring the point of like, I love Christmas and I love to, I love all everything about it, and I ain't even going to pretend to like not even feel guilty about it. And he goes, and don't buy into the complaint about commercialism this Christmas. Sure, don't max out your credit cards and don't use gifts to buy friends. But remember, this is a celebration of the eternal God taking on a material body. So it was right that our holiday is marked with material things. Things we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands and look upon. Holy damn. That is the... (laughs) It's very hard to offend me. (laughs) And I thought that was the most offensive thing. You know, okay, I strike that. I'm offended when people are hurt and I'm offended when people aren't treated right. I was offended (laughs) when he said this. Because God turned a material form, it's okay to be materialistic. Wow. 
I, I, I was beside myself. That was, that was something else. Um, and I can't think of a better, a, 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 a better thing to end on than that. Um, Christmas means to you what, if Christmas is a, a, a season of debauchery and materialism, I suppose that's on you, but I can't think of any sort of narrative where that that relentless pursuit of material possessions is a good thing unless you are trying to possess medicine for other people or food for other people. Um, there's not a story where that is a good thing. And if you're wrapped around this idea, yeah, I mean, he goes on to say, eat until you can't eat until you burst, eat and enjoy yourself. Uh, is it pessimistic of me? Maybe, but yeah, have some humility, have be humble, you know, walk softly then that's nothing that this film is talking about at all. Um, you don't have to prescribe to a specific theology or a specific team under the umbrella of Christianity to know that an excess of anything is a bad thing. And we're, we're life is more precious than just a, accumulating things and and things like that and it, it, it's more than just holiday decorations um, I guess working at a at a store working at a big box retail store for 24 years will do that to you but there's Christmas can be a lot more enjoyable when it's not just completely overrun with bullshit. <laughs> um, Kurt Cameron's Saving Christmas. If there was ever a film that needed to be saved from itself, it's this. The The plus sides, the silver linings of this silver screen film. It's clear in its message. It's, it's done... It's definitely a passion project. It's a family that got together and made a film. You have to give Kirk Cameron credit for 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 believing in this as much as he did. Uh, it bit him in the ass because he asked everybody to go to IMDb, and now it is one of the lowest rated films on IMDb. It's got a like a, a one rating on IMDb. It's consistently one of the worst. Uh, it won four Razzies that year. It is unashamed <laughs> of itself. There's no, yeah, if I could say the good things about it. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's it's not ashamed to be what it is. And if, if you're into such things, if you want to have a good laugh, if you want to, if you're a stoner and you want to get high, sure. Um, I can see, uh, I, I can think of several people off the top of my head right now that I would love to be the fly on the wall uh, 
to sit and listen to their stoner ramblings of the concepts of this film. Uh, it is it is interesting. And as somebody who was a huge Kurt Cameron fan growing up, who wasn't a fan of Mike Seaver from Growing Pains? I was a huge fan of his. I loved, uh, I've watched Like Father, Like Son, that movie he made with Dudley Moore uh, uh, dozens of times. Um, I was... Yeah, I can remember one year in elementary school when they do the book fair every year. Uh, they had posters for sale. And that year, there was only two posters available. They had a monster truck, like Bigfoot monster truck, and Kurt Cameron. I wasn't into monster trucks at the time. I really wasn't. So much to my dad's just dismay... Because this was the late 80s, by the way. I had a Kurt Cameron poster on my wall. Definitely designed for girls. Definitely uh, like a, a teen heartthrob poster. But I liked Kurt Cameron. I thought he was cool. And so does Kurt Cameron. <laughs> um, yeah, th this... This this was rough. This was a, a fun one to get to go through. Uh, I wanted to challenge myself, and I just had a stinking sinking suspicion that this was going to be a rough one, and it certainly was. I kind of want the movie that's portrayed in the poster of a kick-ass Kirk Cameron beating the fuck out of people with a giant candy cane, trying to protect a precious, a precious. Snow globe, because I'll tell you that right now. I can write a story just around that poster that could probably relay his message a whole hell of a lot better than he did. Like, all this other crap is is whatever. Like, it's fine. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. But it, if it's important to you, then make it important. <laughs> you could substitute that nativity scene snow globe with anything, and it's the little things that will always mean the most, the most to you. I can remember years where... Growing up, we were lavishly, I can't say we were lavishly, but we had, there were some years there growing up where, you know, we had, we got a Nintendo and, you know, Christmas opening presents lasted an hour and it was huge. There were a couple rich, not rich Christmases, but where things were a little bit more, <clears throat> my, my parents were doing a little bit better. Like you said, we weren't rich by any stretch of the imaginations, but we never had to worry about food. So... Christmas was something that they, they they saved their money up, and it was fun. One of my favorite gifts I ever received, I still have, was I received a couple years ago, and I will cherish it forever. It was one of the last presents my mom ever gave me. It was a, a, a an eggnog cup from Christmas Vacation, one of those moose cups, because I always wanted one, and she got me that, and then she passed away. And I cherish it, and that's, I could easily see myself in that position, you know, swinging a giant candy cane just fighting off christmas holding on to this cup if that was the film if there was just something precious that was important to him that ultimately was the true meaning for their christmas then that would have been a better story than nope enjoy all of it because it all mean it all matters to jesus it's all about him um so it's like when we talked about the movie doolittle the trailer was more, it was better than the movie itself. And with this one, the poster is, I want, 
If I could get another, if I if I have to have another Kurt Cameron poster, it's the Kurt Cameron poster from Saving Christmas. It is just awesome, and uh, it, it's it's just hilarious. I I smile every time I see it. So, Kurt Cameron Saving Christmas. Uh, do yourself a favor, pour yourself a stiff drink, and watch it and see what you think. I'm really curious of what people think for this one. Um, I would really love someone, someone, anyone who hears this to reach out to me. I would love to hear you hear from you, please. So I hope this reaches you well. I hope this reaches you content and, and warm, literally physically warm this holiday season. Um, cherish the ones you love, cherish your neighbor, cherish one another. Um, this has been a long, hard four years of divisiveness and it's not going away anytime soon. And if we can use any sort of, of comfort right now, it's cherish those ones that you love and your, your world doesn't have to be huge. <laughs> I, I guess that's is what I'm saying. Um, take care of each other and and love one another, whether they think like you or not. Be better than than some folks, than people who disagree with you. Be better than them and love them. So I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday and a Happy New Year. This will probably, I don't know if, if I'll, if I'll see you again before the first, the end of the year, I hope to, because I think I'll have, yeah, we'll have another episode before the end of the year, but I think this will be the last episode to be released before the end of the year. So I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, episode 51 of the be kind rewind. This has been an absolute treasure and I am so thankful and I hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and any other thing you might celebrate. Happy Festivus, Happy Supernal, whatever it is. Remember, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna have a rewind, you might as well be kind. Uh, take care, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>